Chapter Six of the Vicar of Rexhill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Vicar of Rexhill by Francis Milton Trollope. Chapter Six: The Principal Person in the Village, the Vicar's Family. Two days after the Mowbray family appeared at church, the village gentry began to offer their visits of condolence, which, happily, however, for the tranquillity of the persons chiefly concerned, were performed in the improved manner of modern times that is to say every allusion to the recent event being by all but their intimate friends most cautiously avoided by all parties the first person who entered the drawing-room was mrs simpson on all occasions indeed this lady exerted herself to sustain the position of the principal person in the village she seldom gave an order for the fly which weak as were its own springs was in truth the mainspring of all the rural visitings she seldom ordered this indispensable commodity without adding to her instructions pray be punctual mr sims i say this for your sake as well as my own for if the principal person in the village is made to wait you may depend upon it an opposition will be started immediately and in that case you know i should be obliged to give it my patronage in like manner the butcher and baker in the village the ruddy-faced milkman out of it the shoemaker the dressmaker the carpenter the glazier the dealer in small wares and all wares were severally and collectively given to understand that mrs simpson as the principal person in the village had a right to expect the first fruits of their civility attention industry and general stock in trade her entrance into the presence of mrs mowbray was as pregnant with sentiment and sympathy as the degree of intimacy to which she was admitted would permit the handshaking was performed with a little pressure and a little sigh every pause in the conversation was made to speak volumes by the sad tone in which the next sentence was spoken in short if the minds of mrs mowbray her eldest daughter and her ward who kindly volunteered to sustain this ordeal with her had not been fully occupied by the recent event almost every word look and gesture of the principal person of rexhill were calculated to recall it mrs simpson was accompanied by her pretty little girl flowered and furbelowed into as near a resemblance to a bantam chicken as it was possible for a pretty little girl to take the distance from the village to the park was almost too great for so young a child to walk and the poor little thing looked heated cross and weary but her mamma declared that a ramble through those delicious fields was the greatest treat in the world i trust in heaven she continued using her near-sighted eye-glass to look at a drawing which lay on the table that mamima her abbreviation of jemima will have my taste for sketching i like to take her out with me dear pet she enjoys it so but at this lovely season it is the most difficult thing in the world not to sketch as one goes indeed when the mind is so preoccupied <sighs> a sigh every object however a pause i beg your pardon but it is so difficult come to me jemima said helen holding out her hand and let me take your bonnet off the child put up her shoulder and pressed with distressing closeness upon the delicate lilac of her mother's new silk dress it is such a shy puss said mrs simpson i often think what would become of her a sigh i beg your pardon but sad thoughts will press little girl do you love eau de cologne said rosalind taking a bottle from the table and holding it towards her either the look the accent or the action of rosalind had attraction sufficient to draw the child towards her when she good-humouredly relieved the glowing cheeks from the stifling encumbrance of a very close pink bonnet and thick green veil and then copiously bedewed the pretty head with the fragrant and refreshing water do you like it dear 
yes very much do it again again said the child laughing aloud mimima what did i tell you dear alas young heads i beg your pardon <sighs> a sigh you are too good i fear you will spoil her miss torrington i'm only trying to cool her a little ma'am she looks quite in a fever she has sported along before me like a little fawn i brought my maid and the man-servant as i thought they might carry her between them if she was tired but she would not hear of it the step of childhood is so elastic alas i beg your pardon don't you like to ride a cushion miss jemima said rosalind struck by the idea of the maid and the man carrying the young lady between them what is that inquired the child rosalind laughed a little and coloured a little at being obliged to explain herself but making the best of it she took mamima's little hands and interlaced them with her own after the most approved manner of preparing to treat somebody with riding a cushion no persons resent ridicule as much as those who are perpetually exposing themselves to it mrs simpson outglowed her rouge as she said i did not mean miss torrington that my servants were to carry the child together i really wonder such a very droll idea i beg your pardon but at such a time miss torrington looked at her for a moment and then rose and left the room mrs simpson saw that she had offended the heiress and from that moment conceived towards her one of those little feminine antipathies which if they do not as often lead to daggers and bowls in the higher ranks of society as to black eyes and broken noses in the lower are nevertheless seldom quite innocuous the conversation now began to languish for the principal person in rexhill was decidedly out of humour and helen was painfully seeking for what she was to say next when the door was thrown open and mr and miss cartwright and mr jacob cartwright were announced no sudden and unexpected burst of sunshine ever produced a greater change in the aspect of a watery landscape than the entrance of this party on the countenance of the handsome widow had rosalind been present she would have found some amusement or at least some occupation in seeking to discover whether it were the father or son who possessed this vivifying power to the pale hollow-eyed daughter she would certainly have attributed no such influence but as we have not her help to decide the doubt we must leave the matter to the slower hand of time mr jacob cartwright was a tall straight young man but as yet a little inclining to that line of contour which can only be described by the expressive word lanky neither was his hair handsome for designated as light by his particular friends and admirers it was called sandy by the rest of the world but the young gentleman had a finely formed mouth with a very beautiful set of teeth and a large clear light blue eye which many persons declared to be beautiful this young man was said to resemble greatly the mother he had lost to his father he was certainly as unlike as possible mr cartwright though somewhat above the middle height was shorter than his son and his person incomparably better built his features were very regularly handsome and the habitual expression of his countenance gentle and attractive his eyes were large dark and very beautifully formed and his hair and beard as black as those of a spaniard save here and there a silver line which about the temples began to mix itself with the sable his mouth and teeth perhaps might have been said to resemble those of his son had not the expression been so different in the son these constituted merely a well-formed feature to the father they seemed to give a power when he spoke that might work wonders either for good or evil henrietta cartwright resembled neither of them of the two she would have been said to be most like her father because her hair and eyes were dark but the form of the head and face and above all the cynic expression of the mouth were in perfect contrast to his like her brother she was extremely thin but she was not proportionably tall and in her this ascetic form seemed rather the result of ill health than of make she was moreover deadly pale 
and seldom spoke in general society if she could possibly avoid it mrs mowbray received all the party with cordial kindness in helen's manner there was a shade of coldness especially to the father whose offered hand she did not appear to see but the whole trio shared the affectionate greetings of mrs simpson how very lucky i am to meet you such a dismal long walk all alone but now we can return together how are you my dear miss henrietta has your headache left you no oh how i grieve to see you suffer so i need not inquire for you mr jacob what a picture of youth and activity you are Mimima, come here don't you remember your friend don't you remember mr jacob cartwright ah i thought you could not forget him you would not be your mother's child dearest if you could ever forget kindness in her address to the elder gentleman there seemed to be a little more caution in the expression of her affectionate feelings but she looked at him and she listened to him and more than once repeated what he said as if to impress the precious words on her memory in short from the moment the vicar and his family entered the room it was evident the ladies of the park were completely put in non cale and this considering the undeviating respect which through life mrs simpson had ever paid to wealth and station was no trifling proof of the sincerity of that friendship which she professed for her new friends i hope your youngest daughter is well and miss torrington also said mr cartwright quite well thank you helen do you know where your sister is in the library i believe mamma miss cartwright would you not like some refreshment do ring the bell helen i am sure mrs simpson you ought to take some wine and water after your long walk it was not difficult to see that this civility was the result of a strong and painful effort on the part of mrs mowbray and helen was provoked with the whole party for not declining it but no choice was left her the bell was rung and the tray arrived one comfort she had and that no trifling one neither herself nor her mother had any further occasion to seek subjects of conversation mrs simpson took the whole of this troublesome business upon herself and for the period that the luncheon lasted was so completely engaged in eating and talking that she had not time for a single sigh the two gentlemen and the little girl were very nearly as busily employed as herself but miss cartwright sat silently apart and a feeling as nearly allied perhaps to curiosity as politeness induced helen to change her place and seat herself near her will you not take some refreshment miss cartwright let me get you some grapes i thank you none not even a little soda-water and wine the morning seems unusually warm nothing i thank you are you a great walker yes this is a charming country for it such a beautiful variety of lanes and fields i seldom vary my walk indeed and what is the favourite spot you have chosen the ugliest and most gloomy i could find that i might be sure of never meeting any one helen was silenced she had not courage for another word and in order to cover her retreat moved towards the table and bestowed her attention on the little girl who totally forgotten by her mamma was quaffing long draughts of wine from a tumbler which mr jacob had been preparing for himself but which he had willingly yielded to her and now seemed waiting for the inevitable effect of such excess with a sort of sly and covert glee that made helen very angry your little girl will make herself ill i am afraid mrs simpson by the quantity of wine she is taking i am afraid there is no water with it the lady who was talking very earnestly in an undertone to mr cartwright started at this appeal and with a glance of more anger than the age of the child could justify drew her back from the table and made her stand at some distance from it i really think that it is mr jacob cartwright who should be punished said helen for he knew a great deal more about the matter than the little girl herself oh no naughty little thing said the mamma 
i am very sorry if i have been the occasion of the little girl's doing what was wrong said mr jacob slowly and in a very gentle tone i did not think she would have taken so much and she looked very tired and warm mrs simpson made some civil answer and turned to renew her conversation with the vicar but he was gone she positively started and looked about her with great interest to discover what had become of him the windows of the room opened upon the lawn and though she had not seen his exit she very naturally guessed that it must have been made in that direction after rising from the table and making one or two unmeaning movements about the room taking up a book and laying it down again without looking at its title examining a vase on the chimney-piece and a rose on the flower-stand she gradually drew towards the open window and after pausing for half a minute walked through it upon the grass the little girl trotted after her mr jacob followed probably hoping to see her stagger about a little and helen though sadly vexed at this new device to prolong the tedious visit could do no less than walk after them the conservatory drawing-room and library formed this side of the house the whole range of windows opening uniformly upon the lawn as helen stepped out she perceived that the party who had preceded her were entering by the windows of the library and she quickly followed them thinking it probable that fanny might be startled and vexed at this unexpected interruption when as was very likely she might be in the very act of invoking the sacred nine upon entering the room however she found her sister to her great surprise conversing earnestly with mr cartwright and appearing to be hardly yet conscious of the presence of the others mrs simpson gave a little almost imperceptible toss of the head at discovering how the gentleman was engaged we could not think whither you had vanished mr cartwright said she in her sweetest voice but you really were very lucky to ramble in this direction miss fanny ought to have her picture taken in this fine room with all her books about her while she said this mr cartwright continued in a whisper to finish what he was addressing to fanny and having done so he turned to the party which had followed him saying the bright verdure of your beautiful lawn miss mowbray tempted me out but i hope our intrusion has not disturbed your sister fanny answered eagerly that she was very glad to see him at that moment helen chanced to turn her eyes towards the window by which they entered when she perceived that miss cartwright had followed them she was however more than half concealed by a large orange tree which stood in a high square box beside the window but her head was bent forward to look into the room and a sneer of such very singular expression rested on her lip and in her eye as she looked at her father and fanny who were still standing close together that helen remained perfectly still staring at her in another moment miss cartwright changed the direction of her eyes and encountered those of helen fixed upon her with a look of unconcealed astonishment but her own did not sink before them and she turned away with a smile quite as strange and unintelligible as the look she had bestowed on fanny at length this tedious visit was brought to its conclusion the bonnet of the tipsy and now very pale little girl was replaced a number of civil speeches spoken and the whole party walked off together across the lawn to a gate which was to take them by a short cut through the park i quite envy mrs simpson her walk home said fanny i see she has taken mr cartwright's arm i really do think he is the very handsomest and most agreeable man i ever saw in my life End of chapter six